Good evening. This is Dave Messina. I'm here with uh, Blunty and Dan Oaks. And uh, uh, let's see, we're missing Josh. So hopefully uh, he'll join us. Uh, I had uh, one thing I did want to uh, uh, mention. And uh, let's see, I, can I share a screen? I probably can, right? You can try. It should work. Yeah, let's see if we can do it. Do, 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 do. Okay. Is no. this related to Ooh. remote ID in any way? It is. It is. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Okay. Let me see. Let, tell me know if uh, if I'm sharing yep. a, a PowerPoint screen. You can see the whole PowerPoint. Excellent. Okay. So there are rumors around that the uh, flight test uh, FT Easy ID that had not uh, received FAA approval on its uh, declaration of compliance. So we rang up the FAA uh, support center and said, hey, does, uh, does the uh, FTEZ ID have a, a DOC approval? And they said, uh, no, it doesn't. Now, that was, that was wrong. We know it did. And you're looking at the, uh, the proof of the Declaration of Compliance. And this is dated May 2nd, 2023. I submitted the uh, application, I believe it was May, April, rather April 27th, 2023. So very quick turnaround. Now, what you can also see is nowhere on this page does it say flight test. Nowhere on this page does it say FTEZ ID. That's my fault. So I submitted this application and it said industry. So I said industry. So I typed in RC. What it should, what I should have typed in was FTEZ ID or flight test. And that <laughs> How is that the I... industry though? But so yeah, I'll take credit for the error. And we, uh, I rang up the, uh, the support center, and there are uh, four folks that uh, that handle the uh, the line on this, and it's it's a secondary job for them, so it's not their full time job. Um, and they could not have been nicer, and they they said, "Yep, we'll fix this. We'll get it fixed this week." So, so they'll um, let you update <clears throat> the the model. Is it going to yeah, update the them, make and the model, or? Well, I asked them to change RC with either flight test or flight test. Easy ID. Okay. I don't. I don't care which. And so that's. <clears throat> so it it was approved. Uh, Flight test uh, is a reputable firm. Uh, they would. Uh, we went to great lengths to uh, to do the bench testing and then the flight testing. We have the documentation. Uh, we have gone uh, far beyond in every one of the requirements of both of the standards. So you weren't uh, just uh, counting on the FAA's rubber stamp to say yes, this meets the. <laughs> we were not. We were. We we are. We were and are ready for what could be a full audit if they so desired. And so we've got the documentation, the testing. So we stand behind the uh, uh, the work, and uh, it's working working nicely. Sales are going well, and and. Uh, Get FPV and Rota Riot have the uh, the product uh, up and available, and so our thanks to uh, Get FPV and Rota Riot. And let's see, I gosh, I think that's. Um, I could uh, and let's see what else are we. Uh, oh, we may want to talk about if you guys are okay with talking about the. Uh, FAA's uh, delay. Uh, we've, there's been uh, the um, delay of enforcement, and I think that's uh, so very well stated. Yeah. Before we get into that, was there anything else about the Easy ID that you wanted to talk about, or do we want to talk about its beta flight integration at all, or how that's coming along? Or sure, <clears throat> sure, good point. And so, since um, we're on that topic anyway, fair enough. Uh, and so we had. Uh, <coughs> um, the FTEZ ID uses MSP2 as a message to uh, listen to uh, or provide G, uh, GPS signals to the flight controller. So if you're in beta flight and you set the, uh, the protocol, or what looks like protocol, uh, coming in, um, it's U-Blocks, it's MSP, and I, and I think it's NE, is it NEMA? But there's a third one. So you, 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 uh, per the instructions, you select MSP took us a bit of time and uh, fantastic uh, help uh, and uh, effort and energy uh, from the Ardu pilot uh, development team. And so very grateful. So we now have 
the uh, the correct sequence of uh, message because uh, it's a continuous message flow of GPS coming out of the FT uh, Easy ID out of one of the UARTs, and uh, that's what you would connect to your flight controller, and then you should be able to um, pull in the uh, the GPS code. But now you have to make sure that Betaflight uh, can understand uh, this level of MSP, and uh, we've been working with the Betaflight uh, developers, and they have also been just fantastic, and we are very grateful. Um, and so they created a PR, a pull request. And so um, in my background as in global IT, a pull request could be any from the, the decades that I've done this. It could be anything from an, uh, an ECR, an engineering change request, to a uh, program temporary fix or on and on and on. So it's a PR in beta flight language. Uh, it's been written. And so uh, we will uh, publish uh, instructions on how to access the uh, PR that goes along with uh, 4.4. And um, yeah. go ahead, Blonte. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be in 4.4.3. So if you go into Betaflight, now you can flash 443 Zulu, um, which is the current build of 443 um, that's like slated. So you can either flash it that way or, uh, yeah, when 443 comes out, you can flash it that way. Or obviously the master will have it in 4.5. Um, yeah, that'll be the typical method. Yeah, so I posted in the, the chat the link to the PR for all of you uh, Betaflight and GitHub experts <laughs> so you can see that it was approved and uh, merged into what will be 4.4.3. And like, like Blunty said, it's in the 4.4 maintenance release. So if you select the, like, the nightly Zulu whatever build, it should have been in there yesterday. So I'm sure if you went and installed it today, it should be there. You should be able to make right. it work. So this is late breaking. So uh, Dan and I and Blunty have not had uh, a chance to, to do this. <coughs> what we did do is with the 100% uh, of the inventory, uh, we went back and reflashed, and we, this is the collective we, so this is the Tritium uh, Development and Tritium Studios uh, company, went back and reflashed every one of the modules before they were sent out. So all of the, all of the inventory that we, uh, that flight test has shipped out to customers, that GetFPV and that Rotor Riot has shipped out are all updated with uh, the newer code that we've worked on and created with uh, ArduPilot. So it supports uh, MSP2. And uh, that's what uh, Betaflight wants to see in terms of you know the code. It wants to see this as it, so it can yeah, interpret so, uh, the message yep. stream. All those, all the modules <clears throat> that have shipped speak the right language to talk to Betaflight. Now Thank you just you. need to get the right version of Betaflight to get the, its language updated so it knows how to speak to the e easy ID modules and that they're all happy and can talk to each other. And four four three should make that pretty easy because you should you know you can paste in the diff from four four two and stuff. It's an easy update. Thank thank you. So uh, plenty. Anything that I say there? Did I go awry? Oh, that's yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So um, while I've been using uh, Betaflight for seven years um, and keeping updates, and uh, uh, this is a level of Betaflight that I, I've not exposed myself to so i'm uh, it's been a privilege to work with the uh, the beta flight developers uh several of them uh as well as uh we're over it's been over a year that we've been working with the ru pilot team on this and other projects and so um and that's a it's a real uh, honor to work and get to know some of these folks i've worked with brilliant coders in my career and uh, uh these are some great folks and a lot of what they're doing uh it's is open source and you know, they're just giving code away and uh, some, you know, the, in a sense of uh, ArduPilot, uh, some are paid um, by the ArduPilot organization, some are not. In Betaflight, it's uh, a matter of uh, please donate. And so if you use Betaflight, please donate. Uh, these are some great people putting in a lot of time. Uh, the one individual we're working with uh, came off work, uh, talked to us into the, into the night and uh, uh, this was on his on his time, so we are, are very grateful. And it's uh, a it great was example. Done in a very timely 
basis. Great example of how the open source community can make this stuff all work and work really fast and be completely open about it. We can see <laughs> who posted it, when it got approved, when it's going to show up, and how to install it. And we don't have to wait for some company who's tight-lipped and said, oh, it'll be out in our next release whenever that happens to be. So so I'm a, I'm a convert on open source. <laughs> um, I was... Uh, I was in Germany and we, I was arguing with a, an individual about a, a server we were about to release because he was way behind schedule on his uh, testing. And I was a product manager and I was on, uh, uh, on the hook to make money for this product. And I'm like, you got to get, how are we, how are you ever, well, oh, we're going to use the open source community uh, to test this product. And I went nuts. And so he said, come over here, look at this. These are the number of buckets that are running right now on this server. And it was in the hundreds of thousands and you could not keep up with the counter. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. People all over the world were testing uh, this server. So I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. Unless pretty, anybody else has more awesome. questions on Easy ID, we can, we can jump into the FAA's remote ID relief, as they call yes. it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and I, I suppose right before we get to that, Steady Eddie FPV uh, is asking who they should reach out to about getting an educational charter and free application submitted. Okay, you can talk. You can reach out to me. Um, uh, those are two different, two separate things, but uh, we can help you with well, both. Do they want an educational <clears throat> charter to? Doesn't that but give them the ability? 40, that gives them forty four eight oh nine. Does yes, not so give them. Does okay. not give them Freya. Yeah, yeah but so you, you would want to do both to like you know do a school and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Is that something? Yeah, so us, the, the FPV your... Freedom Coalition are going to be working on the charters, or is that something more that uh, Flight uh, Test was doing? Flight Test is uh, wants to do it. Uh, STEM plus C is active in the chartering. We've not done one yet. Uh, so uh, we certainly have uh, submitted free applications. Um, it, it, we've looked, and it appears that uh, we just need to update our um, uh, the character, the the rules, or that we're working by. It's not safety guidelines, um, uh, and, and make sure that it's in uh, in our charter as. Uh, uh, FPBFC that uh, we do this and figure out the right words as we apply, make an application to the FAA. I and don't your, think there's a, any forms for that on the dashboard. And what's your email, Dave? How can he contact you? Thank you. It is okay. uh, dmessina at fpbfc.org. Delta Mike Echo Sierra Indigo November Alpha. Well. Oh, sorry. I was talking over your. <laughs> no problem. Delta Mike Echo, Sierra, Sierra, Indigo, November Alpha. Uh, Shawnee D is asking back back on the Easy ID topic um, that it looks like it's supposed to mount on a flight stack. If that is the case, it wouldn't get a GPS lock under all the carbon, right? Hmm. Let's think about this. So this, my my favorites are, are these uh, stories about uh, with uh, uh, Joshua Bardwell. So it's like, okay, do we want the the longest range that we that we absolutely can have on this broadcast module so people can know where we are. <laughs> now, we might if we want to use in some of the flight test application features and know where the aircraft is. So straight answer to your question, yep, you put a piece of carbon over it, it's going to attenuate the signal. Um, and it's also uh, uh, from the uh, on the bottom, the transmit of the Bluetooth, and it's going to reduce the uh, effectiveness of the receiver on the GPS receiver. So absolutely right. Um, if so, we, uh, we tested, um, uh, and the, the spec is that the manufacturer has to design the product and then test it on the bench and in the field for maximum range. And we've done that. So we were getting over 700 feet on the Bluetooth. At, uh, the, it's a U-Box 8, and it works great. Um, so if you... Um, so if you put it inside a model aircraft, that's okay. It's still to spec. It's still compliant. If you really, if you want to utilize all of the function, then yeah, you want to expose the, uh, the GPS, uh, to the sky, uh, and you want to expose the, uh, the Bluetooth, um, uh, uh, to the ground. 
we also have a, a flight test has made available a case of plastic th uh, 3D printed case uh, for a couple bucks uh, if you want to um, uh, tape it, Velcro it, strap it uh, to a uh, uh, to an aircraft. I think uh, Shawnee's replying that he he just wanted to was wondering if we had some fancy new magic that made it work better underneath carbon than 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 physics would normally allow. Um, no. I think the idea is really just that you have flexible <clears throat> mounting options if you're using it just to meet the regulations and you want an easy way to mount it and just throw it on your stack, go for it. If you want right. higher quality GPS signal, you might want to mount it off the back with a TPU mount um, like you usually right. see on more of the, the GPS mounts right. and long range quads. Right. And then it's, that's a multi, uh, multi-layer uh, printed circuit board. So in the middle of there is a ground plane. So you wonder why, you know, you look, gosh, it looks like there's so much real estate. Why do they make this so big? It's because there's a ground plane in the middle of that printed circuit board. That's also why we used uh, 1.27 millimeter spacing on the on the header pins. Good question. Let's see, uh, what else? Nate is uh, asking, will the module kit <clears throat> be available with an onboard battery so that it's a standalone device? Um, haven't uh, talked about it. We're um, uh, on the power. We know that so not committed yet. Is it, so trying to be um, you know, to answer the question directly, fully first, then expand on the answer. So we've talked about it. No commitments to do that at this point. However, um, we have changed the um, we the spec, the FAQ, and the product pages to reflect that the. the a lower bound of the the acceptable power, <clears throat> so it's one s to eight s. Um, so we had initially said two s. So with a one s, that can be a pretty tiny battery, and we know that we can stuff one, one inside uh, it, the case. So a couple of us are going to look at that, uh, and if not, uh, we've got the STL files on the case available on the FTCA. That is behind a. Uh, a, a small paywall, um, but if uh, someone is is interested in uh, modifying the, those files and making sure that they, a battery can fit in an integrated uh, enclosure, let me know. Uh, I'll get you the STL files, and if you can, you know, modify them and play with them, that'd be great. Good, good question. Yeah, so if you happen to have a tiny one-s battery around, it wouldn't be an elegant solution, but you could easily wire that up into the remote ID module and have it just be completely standalone. Right. If that's that, what you needed. Right, and that, of course, for recreational, you can use that same module from aircraft to aircraft to aircraft. And for Part 107, they're supposed to be dedicated. So you're supposed to have a one module for each aircraft. So. Uh... Heart of America FPV is saying, sorry if this has been answered, just tuning in. The ideal module would just plug into the balance lead of a LiPo and not connect to the flight controller at all. Would this work like that? Um, there's no reason you couldn't wire it that way, as far yeah. as I can think. Yeah. Well, uh, one is to, you know. As long as you check. get the, the pins right, so you get the right. right. Check. I would suggest you check the voltage, <laughs> please, first. But as long as the, uh, the you know, so we're including three different jumpers, and I think uh, I don't think JST one is one of them that we uh, that we include. But yeah, I mean, if if and if that's popular, uh, you know, we we can figure that out too. But you know, check verify the voltage because as um, uh, as Dan said, you should be getting you know ground you know, on one lead, and then you should be getting a nominal of um, three point seven volts on a lipo. Well, it depends which. Uh which one of the pins on the balance plug you plug into, you'd get a higher voltage, right? Each yeah. pin you go. Right. So you can so feed it 2S I, if you wanted to from a Yeah. So if you have, if you have larger than, if you have larger than an 8S, don't, <laughs> don't over, overpower it. And yes, it does have uh, polarity uh, protection. So if you swap those leads, it won't smoke, which is uh, thank you, Tritium Electronics. I'm sure there's some time. limit to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you get too much of the wrong voltage, it'll still yeah, don't fry do something. That. Don't do yeah. Don't model. Yeah. Muy muy model. <laughs> Good. Other um yeah. Let's see. I got a question the other day about hey, you know, what's the pinout for this? And I'm like, Bleh! so uh, we I mean, we made sure that we uh, added the instructions, which has a pinout uh, in it. We're happy to answer the the question, uh, but 
it, it is there uh, in the instructions. Sounds like there are some people, at least Nate here, suggesting that he'd be happy to try to integrate a battery and print it and help out in that way if possible. Okay. I like to work on the 3D modeling and design cool. stuff. Email dmessina at <laughs> fpvfc.org. Yes, please. Yes. Yes, please, Nate. Working on my Fusion 360 skills. You know, every good mechanical engineer should know how to use a solid modeler. Come on. Other questions? That's all I can see in the YouTube chat for now. All right, that was that was great. Appreciate the questions. So um, this is draft. So uh, we wrote this up, and so this needs to go. I want this to be vetted around our team. So this will be uh, a bit informal, and uh, it may tweak a little, but I think the sense of it, we've had a couple of discussions on this already. So the... Uh, the FAA came out on September 15 with the delay of enforcement uh, or enforcement deferral to March uh, 2024. Uh, we predicted that uh, if they came out with a deferral, it would probably look a lot like the manufacturing deferral that they came out with prior to the last September, uh, where they said, well, uh, if a manufacturer does not have uh, standard remote ID yet, um, and they're working to, um, uh, to continue it. Hey, Josh, then, uh, by December, uh, it ha they have to have it, uh, they have to be compliant by December, 2022. They then said that they would use their own discretion. So the, uh, the manufacturer announcement made a little over a year ago was effectively, it said nothing and it gave nothing away. It just said, well, we'll use our discretion. So it was like, well, that's not very helpful. And so we we predicted that the remote ID uh, enforcement deferral would be a similar type of activity because it's and it, it takes an enormous amount of work to change a rule, and we guessed right. So there are there were two significant documents. The one was on the Federal Register, which is the formal communication from the FAA to the public, and that one said nothing. And so it essentially said, "We'll use our discretion." And so the the implication is you don't use your your discretion when you normally uh, enforce the rules. So, of course, they do. So, as <clears throat> and Blunty brought it up, they did this for a reason. They made, they went through all of this trouble. This goes, this is through the FAA. This has to go through a lot of people. This is a non-trivial piece of work to produce a document like this. this so, there was something behind this. Then... The second document that they created was out on their own website, and that one was pretty clear. Hey, there's a deferral for six months. Not quite uh, matching up with the Federal Register. So uh, Greg uh, Revendu of Pilot Institute put out a fantastic uh, uh, video on this, and uh, you know, a lot of our thinking is very consistent with his. What we're hearing and what we, what we also put forward is if you can be compliant, and this assumes that you want to be compliant at some point, because we're you know, we, we're not making the decision for you. If you don't want to comply with remote ID, that's your decision. But if you say, okay, I'd like to comply, you know, when do I need to? Our recommendation is as soon as you can. And so the FAA in both of the documents has laid out uh, four items. Uh, lack of av availability of a remote ID broadcast module, unavailable firmware update, delay in processing of FRIA, or cost, cost of the module. <clears throat> if you fall under one of those four, that's a good excuse for the moment up until March. But as, as Greg and we assert, if you, if you can, uh, let's go, uh, you know, comply. If you can buy a module, buy one. If you can update your firmware to be compliant, install it. If you've got a free you know, application in, pursue it, do it. Um, uh, Dan, uh, Blunty, you've had a uh, uh, um, uh, couple minutes to, uh, to digest some of this. Any reactions or uh, thoughts with re regard to what, what I just went over? I guess I would just sort of say every place the FAA has talked about it, they've basically said, you need to comply with this. If for some reason you can't, 
then, well, here's some excuses you can use until March. But they're right. based, they're really, every place they, they summarize what that announcement was, they're just saying, you need to comply, but there are some circumstances where it's really hard to, so we understand that. But you need right. to comply, so do it anyway. Right. And, and so, so I, what we're sharing is this is our, our, our process for when, when we put something up on our website and says, here's the position of the FBVFC, uh, usually we'll talk about it first. Then one of us will write up a, a draft. Then we'll vet it among ourselves, and then we'll post it. So what you see is the result of uh, discussion as well as vetting a, a written document. And so we've written the document. We're about to uh, vet it around the team, and then we'll get it up on the website. So, Josh, perfect timing. Uh, we talked. Uh, we, we had a, a number of questions about uh, FTEZID. We talked about... Um, uh, the beta flight uh, connectivity with um, uh, FTEZID, as well as um, uh, battery uh, cases, case, uh, physical cases, uh, etc. A couple other good, good questions, <laughs> and then we then we talked about uh, uh, the response, uh, FBVFC response to the remote ID enforcement deferral, and that's where we are. Well, obviously, the uh, enforcement uh, uh, delay is obviously uh, the big topic of the day. My apologies for being late, everybody. Completely my fault. Um, so uh, a couple different things that I've got. So uh, let me share my screen here. Let's see. So I've got this here. So Air Sentinel. Um, is a little bit in the news. They're making their drone ID app free to public safety units in a drone responders partnership. So uh, this is in relation to uh, remote ID, uh, public safety and emergency response organizations using drones and their work will find it easier and much less expensive to monitor the airspace around them during their work thanks to a new partnership between UAV remote identification tech specialist Air Sentinel and the nonprofit Drone Responders Association. Uh, just a little bit of background, Drone Responders has been uh, a significant uh, um, force in uh, the DAC slash ACK um, in the past and they've partnered with that and they've uh, also partnered uh, on some other uh, key points with the FAA as well as and, us. And Charles Werner is also um, an executive founder along with uh, us on the new uh, Drone Advisory Council, uh, a, a group of uh, companies and individuals uh, that we're forming uh, to put forward, uh, make to create change and uh, and agitate for, uh, uh, for change. So uh, we, we've worked with uh, drone responders, uh, good group. I think they're about, yeah. I think they're over 8,500 uh, uh, members. So uh, good work, as well as uh, Rob is uh, has worked uh, with that organization as well as a uh, public safety officer himself. Yep. So uh, um, let's see. Currently available only for Android and Windows-based devices, Air Sentinel's application uses crowdsourcing methods to gather remote identification of drones. That data is then distributed through the company's cloud database to users wanting full awareness of UAV activity in their area of operation and access that will be offered gratis to public safety and first responder groups through Drone Responders Partnership. According to a press release on their accord, Drone Responder says immediate and complimentary use of Air Sentinel's tech will provide public safety drone operators real-time access to vital remote identification data that is designed to both ensure the safety of the aerial operations and enable reinforced situational awareness across their respective jurisdictions. So this was a question I know we had uh, a long time ago um, in relation to how is law enforcement going to be able to access uh, this data? Um, so, you know, through, uh, um, and this seems to be, and, and it's, it'll be interesting to see, but law enforcement will have access to this, but it seems to tie into organizations and, and law enforcement slash uh, first responder organizations that are doing uh, or utilizing drones for the work that they do. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if this turns into an enforcement type uh, thing as well on their end, which I'm sure it, it, it probably will. 
Um, but uh, this is uh, a way that they can see who's operating in the area um, so that they can launch and conduct their operations safely. Uh, so a form of, uh, of... <laughs> getting feedback through Dave there somehow. All good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Um, so this will be uh, interesting to see uh, how this is used. So access to Air Sentinel, Air Sentinel app is free to public drone pilot. While the press release doesn't say so explicitly, the startup is now expected to offer complimentary authorized user status, usually costing $1,000 to official drone responder associated public safety organizations. So looks like you have to be uh, uh, related with the drone responders. In the past, the startup has routinely waived those fees for government agencies requesting accounts. So um, definitely a way that law enforcement will be able to see what's going on uh, with their uh, in their areas of operation and uh, I would imagine this would, uh, uh, you know, roll into also, you know, tracking drones during events and, and stuff like that. So uh, definitely interesting. Uh, I've not used the Air Sentinel app. Have you, Dave, or anybody? I have not. So just to be clear, uh, like, do we know, like they say, Air Sentinel's application uses crowdsourcing methods to gather remote identification of drones. To me, that sounds like everybody who uses this app will show up to police. Is that not what that means? Yeah, and I think that um, part of it is going to be, uh, if you have the app installed, maybe it's actively seeking out those signals and then utilizing right. that to send it back, right? So, Like any, any local RID it sees, it's going to report to the app, and then it'll have its own little bubble of identification for anybody looking to see who's there yeah know? and yeah uh, that's i think ken in our discord posted like the terms of service and what data they collect uh, a screenshot of that on our discord server and basically the app says that we will collect information about the drones that broadcast remote id signals including the drone's location the drone's id and the time of detection so if you have air sentinel on your phone it may be running all the time in the background collecting information about remote id and sending it back to them and, then and they can do whatever of. they want with that, whether that's make it public, make it private, share it, not well, it share it. Well, sounds like they're selling it, it for $1,000 per user. And, it, and it, if I were Air Sentinel, I'd also be contacting uh, NASA and the FAA and saying, hey, I've got a great test bed here for un unmanned traffic management. How would you like to uh, help fund me? That's definitely, uh, this is, that's where this is going, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I mean... So if you're installing Air Sentinel, I've not used it, so I will, you know, give that a whirl. But uh, at the same time, I don't necessarily want to be uh, actively tracking at all times just because I have the app on my phone, right? <laughs> so um, definitely an interesting uh, thought there, Blondie. Be careful about setting your permissions. Yeah. Well, it's going to go on my tablet because I have an Apple, so. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so none of the DJI drones will show up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so, so Josh, just a minor thing. It's not a big deal, but it sounds like your microphone might be using your Wi-Fi microphone or something and not your I, nice real mic. I, oh, my apologies. My apologies. Probably Hang just a, a, you, uh, a Google Meet setting that you haven't changed. Using my, using my earbuds. Is That's what it sounds like. we got to give people uh, the best audio quality possible, of course. <laughs> oh, my apologies for that. That's is that what we're known for. Now you're a little yeah, quiet. a little more volume if we can. I don't know if that's a thing. Great. No feedback from me now, Josh? No, nothing from you. And it's Alex really isn't here, so we can't have our analog video feed, so we're good. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that, that was super fun. So Alex's uh, webcam broke on his laptop, and our last meeting, he's using an FPV camera wired through his computer to uh, conduct Zoom meetings. So, hey, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. With, a, with a fake OSD. Yeah, with a fake OSD going. <laughs> that was super cool. All right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely going to be careful with my permissions. Definitely, you know, uh, from my standpoint, I want everybody to be able to fly as free as they want to. So, there's a few questions uh, over on the YouTube chat. Um, Nordy FPV is asking um, that there's been a lot of YouTube talk about how easy it is to spoof remote ID. Can someone easily take your ID and spoof it and get random people in trouble? I think the answer is yes. It's trivial. If you've yeah, got if somebody's somebody serial number. Your serial, 
Yeah, your cereal is being broadcast all the time. So anybody who's mm-hmm. that sees your cereal or gets your cereal number or even just like knows a set of serial numbers and picks a random one and shows you, right? Like because there's a set that's given to each company and it'll be obvious if people understand what multiple serials are in those sets, right? Yep. Like so stuff like that. So if you had the, the technology, the application, the software or somebody else wrote one and you're using it and you're broadcasting, you can broadcast fake GPS location. You can fr- broadcast a fake serial number and somebody who happens to have air sentinel near you could detect that and it'll record that serial number and that location hey what if that's in a tfr or a place you shouldn't fly and all of a sudden that other person who's being spoofed is going to have police knocking at their door say hey why were you flying here yesterday and they're like i I wasn't there and we've talked before about how or at least maybe it's me and barbell but if you think about it right it it doesn't help to spoof gps that much on site at the time because you know the drone's not physically there but if you were to use like an app like air sentinel to spoof the gps and create a history of a drone being somewhere right mm-hmm. or then <laughs> suddenly anybody who's you, not worried then... about this is not thinking creatively enough all right, right yeah yeah, then suddenly you've you faked a, a thing that's non-verifiable, but is verifiable because you've created evidence that it happened, right? It's like, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty ridiculous how far this goes down the down the hole of being stupid. But so slightly related do? to that, Nate's asking, is there a remote ID app I can use that to track my drone, but does not report information to a larger server? Yes, uh, Drone ID Org, Drone Scanner, and the uh, Flight test app. None of them um, store and report. So and, it's immediate. Uh, it's immediate. Uh, it's immediate data pulled from what your phone can see, and then dumps and, and nothing crowdsource. Yeah. yeah, and the one I, the one if you're really anxious about storing and uh, forwarding, um, pick up the the drone or, or drone i drone org i no drone id o- open drone. What the heck is it? It's <laughs> whatever the one is that I have on my phone, right? Uh, yeah. What's o- open drone ID. Openddroneid.org. That's written by uh, some of the principals of the ASTM team who uh, wrote the means of compliance, and so the code is right there. It works on uh, uh, Android only. Uh, it's not a. It, it's uh, it wasn't written for uh, iPhone. And uh, it, it's a good app, and it's it's the the most generic and cleaner drone scanner runs on uh, uh, iOS as well as on Android. That's written by Drone Tag, also a good app, and does not uh, store or forward. And the uh, the flight test app, uh, same thing. That's uh, closed source, written by uh, Tritium uh, Studios, and uh, it does. There is a lo- you can turn on logging and and track your flight path. Um, and you can turn on sharing with your friends, but uh, we're we're pretty uh, concerned about you know we don't want this to just open up and be create create a flight log that uh, is a chain of evidence. Uh, good, so uh, good question. Slightly related, uh, Shawnee D is also asking for an update on information related to. Uh, self-built aircraft and using them for part 107 probably i I assume this is talking about whether or not you put a module on it or you have to have standard remote id and all that business dave you want to take that one (laughs) sure so the the, the yeah i'm the the leading uh (laughs) so the um kevin morris of the uh, faa communications team has uh, dare i use the of in vogue phrase of parsed uh, the rule between use and manufacturers. And so if you happen to come across a small UAS that was manufactured after September 2022, and you put a broadcast module on it, you can use it for uh, part 107 visual uh, operations, visual line of sight operations only. So no BB loss, no operations over people. Um, the manufacturer's requirement is that you, uh, have to put standard remote ID on your, uh, the aircraft that you manufacture, if you're going to manufacture, uh, one after September, 2022 and yes, with a deferral, uh, to December, 2022. 
So, uh, in so many words, uh, if you if you have a drone, there's not a good chain of custody for where that drone came from, right? So, in the same way that you might find an SD card at the park and upload a video that's not yours, you <laughs> might find a drone and then want to put a module on it to use the drone. You don't know when it was manufactured, but you know it's a drone you've received. You didn't make it, and you've got the drone now, and you need to use it for your work. You can put a module on that and fly it. That's that's essentially where what we got from Kevin Morris. Right. And one of the uh, blunt that you asked a great question. So what documentation do you think I should carry? And there's nothing unusual. That it's just as blunt he was saying. So yeah, you yeah. don't even have to have proof that your module is registered. Right? <coughs> you purchased your module. It's not your job to carry around certification for the module or anything. It's just you're broadcasting our ID. You're good to go. And I'm then we'll check here's my normal I'm documentation. A, right. I'm a recreational operator on part 107. This is the module. It's registered with uh, against this aircraft on drone zone. I'm registered. What's right. you know? Yeah. I'm you can done. Look at the serial and call the company if you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the only uh, documents you are required to carry and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, is going to be um, your part 107 certification. If you're flying recreationally, your trust certificate um and your uh uh registration information and a, like and a, and a phone with your safety guidelines and identify and be able CBO. to identify which c which cbo you're calling out as the organization that i'm using this cbo's safety guidelines correct and so as long as it's you can say that point to it here's the here are the safety guidelines that i'm following you're good and we go through that on our uh, homepage in terms of what do you need to fly recreationally? And, but the question was, always, was part 107 based. As always, these are the requirements, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the real world right. is different than requirements. The, it's the, some kind of magic land where somebody's going to walk up and ask for all that stuff. But, right. <laughs> but just so you know, the FAA right. will use their discretion or not as to decide how right. to prosecute you, right? And, and the, the end all be all to this guys is is really have the intent to comply right so mm -hmm. um yep. if you're if you're flying a a, a drone and it uh, does not come with uh, its home built and it doesn't have standard remote id um and you put a drone uh, a remote id module on it the intent is to comply right okay Absolutely. you're doing what you can to comply um, whether you're flying part 107 or not. And, you know, again, this is not legal advice. However, the intent to comply is what you're looking for. Right. So um, yeah. that's the, the end all be all. And, and even the FAA, you know, they, they, they rely on intent a lot when it comes to UAS. Um, if your intent was to fly recreationally and five months down the road, you end up using the footage from your recreational flight for part 107, Great. Your intent originally was to fly for fun. Somebody bought your footage. Right. Okay. If your intent so. was to fly BV loss inside of an NFL stadium during a game, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a bad plan. My intent was just to fly yeah. for fun. I don't know why this football game's going on here at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, you know, you, that's what you want to, uh, focus on and, and, you know, be honest with yourself, what you're doing. And, and that's the, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, so that's going to keep you most out of trouble. Now, you know, I, I want to dial it back a little bit to this remote ID spoofing, um, uh, just a tidbit. So, I mean, a lot of what, you know, when it comes to remote ID spoofing and if, you know, somebody notorious is looking to do uh, or something, somebody's looking to do something they shouldn't do and they're spoofing your remote ID. Uh, a lot of that's going to come out and just, you know, what you're doing day to day. Um, so, I mean, in terms of a freak out factor, I, I imagine the police or, or FAA showing up at your door, sending you a letter is definitely going to, you know, be that pucker factor. But at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot of other stuff that goes into an investigation like something like that. So, you know, while it doesn't absolve, you know, the whole thing at, at some point, you know, somebody's going to know that wasn't you flying. So um, and the hard part is, is that that laws and rules and regulations, those are for the law abiding citizens. And there's going to be people that. Uh, step out, outside those bounds, do whatever it is that they feel they need to do. Um, and and unfortunate, the unfortunate part is, is that 
um, you know, again, those rules and regulations are for law abiding people. Uh, there's going to be outliers that just don't listen to them and, um, it, it can affect, uh, the rest of us. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, so not as, not as definitely enchanting, uh, but, uh, the FAA, oh, that is the wrong one. We already talked about that. Um, with, uh, so this one, uh, the FAA has approved, um, five, I think it's five at this point. Uh, one, two, three, four, sorry, four companies with, uh, beyond visual line of sight, uh, waivers. So this would be uh, UPS uh, subsidiary Flight Forward, UAvionics, um, and they are a major player in uh, the drone, let's see, sorry, the Commercial Drone, uh, uh, commercial drone Alliance, I think is what it's called. Um, and then uh, Phoenix Air Unmanned, as well as Zipline. Um, Zipline somebody we've talked about for a long time. Um, so Zipline was finally granted uh, FAA administration approval to fly drones beyond visual line of sight. It's a major milestone to extend the range of their domestic drone industry over U.S. airspace. And Zipline isn't the only drone operator to recently receive FAA approval. In a series of moves in August and early September, the FAA gave the same clearance to UPS uh, Flight Forward, which delivers packages by drone. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, avionics provider UAvionics and drone inspection provider Phoenix Air Unmanned. It's a regulatory aim, regulatory aim that the drone companies have been working towards for a decade and will pave the way for other companies to receive streamlined approval for their own drone flights beyond visual line of sight. Uh, think, the, go ahead. I, just saying, I think these were the big four. Like I think there were mm -hmm. four companies originally who put who who did who like we're char charging forward with this and all four of them have now been approved. So Cor correct. And, and there's a couple other, uh, smaller ones that, uh, are probably still seeking it, but, uh, Zipline is definitely in alliance with, uh, I believe they're still in alliance with Walmart, um, yep. for delivery and Zipline, uh, focuses mainly on, um, essentially medical industry deliveries, uh, stuff like vaccines. Uh, I think they're, they're working towards, uh, with Walmart on, you know, pharmacy deliveries could be cold medicine. It could be, you know, something more critical than that. Um, and, uh, Zipline's a proven, uh, proven factor in drone delivery, especially in rural areas. They, uh, I believe they started in Africa, uh, delivering vaccines and critical, uh, medical and, uh, They've really got a, a unique standpoint where they're launching it off slingshots, catching it on a uh, aircraft carrier like uh, uh, hook and line uh, system, and they can get the the plane down, restocked, and relaunched in just a few minutes uh, to get uh, critical stuff out. And they've been a major impact in Africa. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, these companies charge forward in this space um, and. You know, we've all known commercial drones beyond, uh, you know, their standard use of, of photography and, and real estate and uh, infrastructure inspection. We all knew this was kind of coming. It'll be interesting to see to what degree and, you know, how many different UAS are flying in the air at the same time. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the other article, I, I don't have it, but I saw news several times i think it was maybe on twitter and a couple other but the ag uh agricultural drone industry is really taking off as well um and uh definitely a type of drone that i'm fascinated with because of the the variability of it um uh, being able to spray spread fertilizer seed uh do all kinds of things they're definitely on the rise in the in the agricultural space um so it'll be interesting to see how um the agricultural industry and, and farmers utilize that uh, going forward as well. So just a little side note yeah. on that. In our in our work on uh, the early DAC meetings, we got uh, to work with some of the Agriculture Spraying Aviation Association. I'm pretty sure that's the order, but it's four mm -hmm. A's is the or as the name of their organization. And this is um, mostly uh, manned aircraft. 
but um, uh, we had the president of the association on a number of calls and they were extremely open-minded about Im, uh, embracing and integrating UAS into their businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who is uh, who knows or has worked uh, in this industry, it is exceptionally dangerous. And um, uh, introducing small UAS is cost-effective. Uh, you can get more of the uh, the spray on the uh, on the field. You know there are no uh, big scallops on the edges of fields. Uh, it's less, and it is a, a you know much much more safe uh, for you know putting pirates Everybody. right close to uh, to the field near wires near trees. So uh, great group of people, and it's uh, uh, interesting to uh, you know uh, that they are very you know they're ready to cannibalize you know some of their business because of uh, you know their understanding of how darn dangerous uh, their lives are. Yeah, and uh, it's you know someplace like here in Phoenix, uh, a lot of farms are integrated into uh, residential and commercial areas. Um, not, I mean, not that far from me. The the plot next to my where my house is is used to be all farms. It's now turning into housing, but um, it's integrated in these areas. So being able to spray directly, not overspray, not um, get stuff on on you know, in, in, into neighborhoods and stuff like that, it's definitely going to be a, a big thing as well as, you know, like Dave was saying, power lines and stuff like that. Cause all, you know, everything here is above ground power lines and, and whatnot. So, um, I, I, I look forward to it, uh, seeing it in action. I I've watched videos on it. It's definitely something that's fascinating to me. Um, and, uh, definitely some, some real, uh, benefits there for that. So, but uh, that's all I have for tonight for, for my end. Um, Can I double, do the, oh. double A Go was ahead. asking, what is the FPV waiver I just heard of? FPV waiver. Is he talking about, like, mm. didn't Kenji a while ago get it a waiver to be able to fly FPV beyond visual line of sight-ish yeah. uh, without a yep. spotter? And I think a couple other people did as well. <clears throat> yeah, so that was part of a discussion that uh, we had during Droning On After Dark. It was a... a um, a show uh sorry i didn't have it we we helped uh put that on but uh i believe drew camden had it with uh uh then who is was the director pilot institute is that where jay, we... no jay, jay merkel it was jay merkel and uh uh during that uh jay had said that um the more waivers that we put in for different things essentially was the the gist of it that the more likely it it would be that later on down the road um we wouldn't need waivers for it anymore so the waiver for fpv that kenji uh worked on was for spotter basically flying without a spotter um in certain circumstances he did get that one approved um and it's something that uh i believe um alex worked on as well uh on that um but uh honestly it kind of i haven't heard a whole lot since on that i know a couple people attempted and got rejected and maybe uh another person uh attempted and got approved if i remember correctly but i don't know who um but that was kind of part of that with respect to with respect to bv loss waivers if you're uh, so one you can only get a uh, a waiver if you're part 107 so mm-hmm. if you're a recreational operator you know there there has been one waiver that we're aware of for recreational granted to the ama for high uh, altitude flight of uas but uh so but so for starters if you got your 107 and you're interested in a bv loss waiver um in the last ac uh the ebook uh has tips and techniques and suggestions. Uh, and this is by Jen Player and Vic Moss written. I helped, but it was a, a very minor role. Uh, those two are expert. And so as you may know, with an FAA waiver, the FAA likes to play a little bit. They play whack-a-mole. So it's like, oh, no, 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 you're not, no, that's not, nope. We're not going to approve that. Nope. Nope. Closer. No. Try again. Keep guessing. Try again. Try again. Keep, you know, so what they don't want is they don't want you to copy and paste. They want you to really articulate your safety mitigation. And the uh, Jen 
uh, player who is uh, an executive in Skydio has been uh, part and parcel or part and helped uh, for a lot of BB loss waivers. So the, between the two of them, good, good experience and good write-ups, good t- uh, tips and techniques on uh, how to get a BB loss uh, waiver uh, approved. And so independent of FPV, but very much uh, on topic with respect to BB loss waivers. So Double A, if that's not what you were asking about, uh, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll touch base on and it. And Shawnee's asking, are there waivers possible for remote ID? And I think the answer Ooh. is yes, Flying but it doesn't Korea? matter because <laughs> I, th- I, I feel like that's what uh, we were told before I that <laughs> you can probably think... attempt to get a remote ID waiver so you can fly without it, but you, you can't can... manufacture, you can't get a drone that's built without standard remote ID. You so can't you turn can't it fly off. anything. Yeah. So, so you I can't mean, buy a drone that you can turn it off. Right. So technically, you can't. I'm pretty sure. Right, but any of us build our drones, so they don't. Have, right, they have we can just take the matter. module off, right? So, yeah. but you're not I mean, part 107 who could get a waiver for such a thing as not having remote ID. Don't I? I feel like Rob was kind of saying that sort of thing for. <clears throat> yeah, for he him, was that the FAA says, yeah, you could apply to get a waiver for flying without remote ID, but you can't for get a drone safety. to do that. For public yeah, safety. But this was for public safety. Yeah, I, agree. Right. I think it's only for public safety. So right. and and that's a special use and, case. So if they're use if they're utilizing drones to uh, let's say uh, you surveil. know just surveil you know in 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 advance of a SWAT team raid or something like that, right. and they don't want anybody to know they're there, hundred percent like that would be the reason why. Completely it, legitimate. Yeah. Going to be a complete outlier case scenario though. And so. I believe Rob was saying he basically helped create that waiver process. Like they built, you know, they they right. went through and did that with the FAA, designed a whole thing for them for public safety to get this right. done in mass for them. But the problem is, is that you but... know they're, they're flying, uh, you know, standard remote ID drones. Let's say like a DJI Avada, and remote ID uh, in its rules state that it has to be tamper resistant. I.e., you can't turn it off. Turn it off. So there's no firmware option to not turn it off. That's so right, yeah. essentially, they have to retain drones that don't have remote ID to conduct operations Covert. like that. So right. So it's a little catch twenty two. And so it, it's not like we just figured this out. The <laughs> ASTM team that worked with the FAA for three years pleaded this case regularly. And the FAA kept coming back. And the stance was the same. Nope, can't turn it off. Can't turn it off. Can't turn it off. <laughs> so here we are. And so well, you know, we'll, we'll probably see some uh exception granted i hope for i mean it makes sense you don't want to put officers or an an operation at risk that's just silly yeah and and the fa doesn't want to do that either so good question yeah it is a great question anything else dan any uh double a followed up saying it might be the same uh thing the waiver for fpv uh he caught it in a west side fpv video or west side's latest video uh, West Side from said FAA person. So yeah, I haven't watched his videos in a while, so I'm not quite sure. I haven't been up on that. Yeah, and, I'll, we'll check it out and, and uh, come back. And uh, with Shawnee D is talking about this edge case where you're trying to put on, say, you're trying to put on a race of tiny whoops in your backyard. Uh, it's not recreational because it's competitive with prize money. Uh, now all of a sudden, all your Tiny whoops need remote ID, and you can't fly in the back your backyard. Um, yeah, the FAA pretty much says you can't do that, but just do it anyway. But you can't do that. <laughs> That's correct. And the the FAA has also said for the last three years that they would create a method that we we could fly FPV races, and there would and remote ID would not be required for that temporary event. Um, they still don't have it. I suppose, they... yeah. Technically, you can email the FAA's remote ID email address and ask for a temporary, temporary free event, idea. Event free, right? Yeah, and you, yep. you, I don't know that anyone's been able to get one, uh, but that's what they've told people to do. Right, and so yeah, Al- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Alex is uh, you know, a member of FPVFC and. Um, uh, officer of multi GP is on this, and so 
this this is important for multi-GP, and it is an edge case with um, uh, descri as described in a in a, uh, a tiny whoop uh, race. But it's not an edge case if you're if you're if you're flying five inch, uh, mm -hmm. and that's that's a reasonable uh, thing to do and to want to do without. And could you add an FT uh, Easy ID at ten grams to a five inch? Sure, but that's silly. I mean, the the flight envelope is a couple hundred feet by a couple hundred feet by fifty feet. What's so the point of having remote ID on eight drones flying around on a course, <clears throat> tiny course, yeah. like versus yeah. just one? Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, saying we're here we're flying races we've proposed uh, use lance notify and fly and light up one uh, broadcast module yeah and that that's the thing that i would say is you know come back and say you know maybe you've got a, a remote id module that you can just put in the center of, of your racetrack and and show the intent hey we're flying here right right and, right. and and go that route um it's very simple it's easy you're showing that intent um and as long as you're showing that intent i think uh you know it, it's a step in the right direction at least so um he does mention the beyond visual line of sight waiver in that video so that's what he's talking about okay so that that original one from kenji <clears throat> we can know the west side F yeah i well the west side fpp he was talking to an faa person in vegas the faa person said you should apply for a waiver and he was talking about the okay. loss waiver gotcha okay okay so, yeah so if it's bb loss tips and techniques last aaac meeting ebook yep that was was it august 23 did i get that date right i think so that's accurate <clears throat> all right and uh dan what you got anything else Nope, nothing, nothing other than what we've already talked about. As long as Blunty. we did, we cover the FAA's relief for remote ID enough during this meeting. <laughs> I don't know if there were any more questions, but yeah, like we. I mean, if you got sort of boiled it down to really short, you, you're supposed to try to comply, and if you can't, good luck. Some the FAA might get right. you anyway. Or like that quote yeah. from the FAA employee is like, "If you're doing something stupid, we're gonna nail you." whether you have remote id like you if you need it in the future you need it now and if you're doing something stupid and you don't have remote id we're going to nail you for it anyway so yeah yeah i like i like greg revenue is very calm if you can get it you know assuming you're going you've made the decision to, that you're going to comply if you can get remote id do it i think it was an excellent video as usual from greg Mm -hmm. and uh, who is also uh, one of the members of the Drone Advisory Council along with us. So we look forward to continuing to work with Greg. Great team, mm -hmm. great company. Oh, here's I've actually got the full quote from that FAA video where he says, a lot of people are like, oh, the FAA postponed it? Well, we really didn't. you got to really read the policy, and what we are saying is, if you are trying to comply, we're not going to nail you. But if you are blowing it off and being naughty, we might nail you. That's something that pretty well. How's that, for, how's that for the vernacular? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what our write up tries to do. We grant we created a little write up with a couple of words and then grabbed the uh, uh, the salient words from the Federal Register as well as the uh, keywords out of the FAA website announcement. So we'll post that shortly. Monty, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I just have one PSA, uh, technical PSA that I think is worth sharing here for anyone that is listening. Uh, if you have Crossfire, it's on 250 milliwatts or higher, and you have HD0 goggles, don't put them too close or the HD0 goggles will shut off and restart. Oh, jeez. That also, that also counts for the power cable. This power cable carries the transmission up to the goggles. Right. Yes, yeah, so like if, if you have your power flying, cable in your pocket and you've got your radio nearby. Yes, if you move that, if you move it in an orientation to match the cable, or if you move if the cable flips or whatever, it will go up which, the cable and shut off the shut off the goggles. Which oh, power cable is that? The one, the one with the battery that goes to your pocket or wherever you know, wherever your power. Any, any cable will carry a transmission as long as it. Yeah, it's back EMF. Is it so? Are you saying don't wrap it around your head? I'm no, you know, no, if you have, no, no, no. Just... if you take if you have the cable dangling from a thing and you put the crossfire transmitter next to oh, it, crossfire. it will shut okay. off the goggle. Yeah, uh, okay. you don't have that, so, Dave. Don't cross... worry. Yeah, I'm not worried. You don't have to. Or, or 900 megahertz. No more, go no more ghosts. Not 2.4. 2.4 gigahertz express LRS. That's what I'll, that's what I'm going. This is um, an issue with any 900 megahertz transmission. So, 
Interesting. Is there a reason? Do we do we have a reason why? It's the the electronics are not shielded because there's no requirement to shield HD zero because they didn't apply for FCC because they don't transmit, gotcha. right? Uh, so if you this also happens with Walksnail, but Walksnail will not shut off. Walksnail's fans kick on in high mode, and then uh, it will stop outputting over USB-C video, but the it's goggles so will continue to operate. Uh, but basically, from what I've heard from RF people, 900 megahertz is really crazy for electronics. And if you have unshielded electronics and you blast it with one watt of 900 megahertz or even 250 real close, you're going to get crazy stuff happen if it's not shielded. DJI That's doesn't happen to DJI at all because it's all shielded because they're doing all their FCC fancy stuff. Well, and they're transmitting so. as well. So, Yeah, I didn't see it tested with analog goggles. I'm not really sure because they do have drivers and stuff. Uh, so maybe there's something in there. I don't really know. I only saw it tested with digital goggles. Interesting. Maybe I'll test it with my I'll test it with my analog. Yeah. Well, HD zero in analog mode, I think, also does it. So yeah. Interesting. Huh. I wonder if that happens with my fat sharks. That, that's just be... one of those things. Like if you're flying and your goggles shut off and you have no idea why, or you you know what I mean. Like that's something people should know. It would take you. Ooh, a long time this like, out. A long time to <laughs> uh, figure that to figure out. Multiple, out. I think multiple people were reporting something really weird, and then Magtech pulled it together and made a video out of it and did the testing to show, wow. like, yes, this is repeatable with these different power levels. Oh Good my program. goodness. Yeah. yeah. I hope yeah, no I... drones were harmed in the in the discovery of that. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> interesting all right. all right cool all right dave anything to wrap us up sir um not nothing else uh, other than uh, uh please uh, spread the word that uh, we really do have uh faa declaration of compliance approval and uh, we hope to get that uh that rc field that i talked about at the beginning of the discussion uh resolved so if you go into the faa declaration of compliance website and search for flight test, hopefully by this Friday, you'll be able to find something. Right now, if you search on RC, as in radio control, you will find the May 2nd, 2023 Declaration of Compliance Approval for flight test. All right. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, with that, guys, uh, thank you for joining. Again, apologies for being late. Uh, completely my fault. Um, but uh, appreciate you guys joining us this evening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in another couple of weeks. Thank you so much. See you Great questions. Weeks. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Later, guys. Bye -bye.